I count it a joy, a privilege, and an honor to share God's holy word with you once again. This morning, I'm going to minister on my namesake, and that being Joseph. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we bow before you in the name of Jesus. Our hearts cry, O oh God, is that you take the preached word and you make it alive in the hearts of your people. That God, they would glean from Joseph and glean from Jesus. And God, though they will suffer, O oh God, and be ostracized and, and, and rejected, that they will know, O oh God, that all things work together for good. The good work that God has begun in it, in us, no matter what the devil does, God will bring it to pass through the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Amen. God has a specific purpose for every child of God. And life outside of that purpose is often futile and meaningless. Discovering God's will is what should motivate all born-again Christians. Often as ministers of the gospel, we concentrate extensively on our ministry. We make every considered effort to succeed in our God-appointed and anointed ministries. However, we fail to realize that though ministry is important, it is not the ultimate will and purpose that God has for you and I. Let me say this. As important as ministry is, it's not the ultimate what is the ultimate purpose for your life and my life is simply this, that we be conformed to the image of God's Son. And be it that we are not emphasizing that ultimate purpose, then we've got to readjust our life and readjust our ministry. I'm readjusting my ministry. I'm readjusting my life in this sense. My concentration is no more towards ministry, although I do preach and teach, etc. But my concentration now is towards the ultimate plan and purpose that God has for my life. And that is that I be conformed to the image of God's Son. God's vision for you and I is that we be conformed to the image of God's Son. As important as ministry is, it's not the ultimate for us. For the simple reason, we've got to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And God spoke to me several years ago about a vision. I haven't got a vision. I've got to have God's vision for my life. And what is God's vision for my life? That I be conformed to the image of God's Son. Here's an acronym for vision. V-I-S-I-O-N. Vision inspires spiritual insights over negativity. Amen. If you have a vision, no matter what comes your way, and you, be it that your vision is from God, that you be conformed to the image of God's Son, no matter what negativity comes to you, you will press through that you might become like Jesus. Now, I've learned over the years concerning the vision that God has got for me, and by the way, for you, brother, for you, sister, that character always precedes ministry, always, and that character also precedes knowledge. And it's not what we know, it's what who we know. 
And then last but not least, it's not what I do for God or what you do for God. It is what God does through us. So our vision has to change. We've got to study to, to, uh, study to show ourselves approved unto God, not just knowing the word, though we must know the word uh, and, and divide the word correctly, but we must be conformed to the image of God's Son. In other words, the word and us must become one. Now, the ultimate world, as I said, is to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Romans 8, 29. The character of Christ must be paramount in our life and our ministries. Amen. It's out of a relationship that we have with Jesus, with the Spirit, with the Father, that God sheds abroad in our heart His nature and His love. Spending time with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Reproduce the character and nature of Christ in us. We mustn't just go to the Word to study, to preach. We must spend time with God in such a way that it is a delight to be found alone with Jesus. Now, what we must also realize, and it's very, very, very important. When we, when we decide to, to become like, like, like Jesus, like Jesus, Problems will come our way. Tribulations will come our way. Trials will come our way. And we fail to understand suffering will come our way. Now, we ask ourselves, why is all this coming our way? We love God, but we're facing so much calamities and problems in our life that we, we wring our hands in despair. No, it has a purpose. It has a purpose. And we ought to carbon copy our life and our lifestyle on what we read of Jesus, what we know of Jesus. Now, this scripture I'm going to quote now, I cannot fully comprehend it. It's found in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was taught obedience through suffering. Jesus was taught obedience through suffering, Hebrews 5.8. And if Jesus went through uh, uh, suffering to, to become obedient, then surely I don't know, I, 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 I should have no uh, uh, fear about it because it's going to reproduce obedience in my life. Now, we, 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 we're making the study, like I said this morning, on Joseph. One of the most remarkable types of Jesus in the Bible. He had so much, he has so much common to that of Jesus. He came to his own and his own received him not. He was sold for silver, if I remember rightly, 20 pieces of silver. Whereas Jesus uh, um, was sold for 30 pieces of silver. His clothes was rent off him. Jesus also, his, his garments were rent off him. So he's a man of suffering. Je, uh, uh, Joseph was placed in prison. Jesus was placed in prison. This man speaks so much of Jesus. And if we follow his life, we know, we know him as the dreamer, and that he was. But we don't know him as the sufferer. This man suffered tremendously at the hands of his own family. Now, He's known as the dreamer. And let me say this. The dream that he had was not the impossible dream. The dream that you got for God to become like Jesus. The dream that you got to go into all the world and preach the gospel. To be a blessing to people. It's not impossible. He that's begun a good work in you, he will complete that work. Amen. Now, let me talk about the dreams of, of Joseph. Amen. I'll have to read the scripture. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. 
And he said unto them, Yea, I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheep stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheep. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dream and for his words. And he dreamed it another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is the dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I, my mother, and thy brethren indeed come to bow down to uh, uh, down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him. But his father observed the same. First and foremost, Amen. The father had put the coat of many colors upon him, which gave the indication that the promise, the covenant promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was to continue with him. That coat of many colors really speaks about the promise that God had made to Abraham that he'd be father of many nations. Now, plus those two dreams. Can you imagine the hatred born in the hearts and spirits of his brothers? They despised him. They once loved him when he was a young lad. But now he's 17 years old. He's growing up and he's got an opinion about himself. And what happens? Birth in their spirit was a revengeful, revengeful attitude. His father sends him to take food to his brethren. And you know what happens. But before we go there, let me uh, uh, bring to you an understanding that the Lord gave to me about the life of Joseph. And this, this pattern that you find in Joseph's life to develop uh, and come to the point of the dream. You must understand the, the sequences in life, uh, times in our life where we go through different, different attacks of the enemy and even our family as, as well. And I call this the ABCs of ministry, the alphabet of ministry that is suffering, that develops your ministry, that puts you where God had initially told you you're going to be through your dream. Now, there are several P's in the life of, G uh, of Joseph that he goes through. There's a stage of popularity, a stage of promotion, a stage of persecution, a stage of the pit, then the stage of the prison, then the stage of the palace. But it doesn't end there. There's a, 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 a three more alphabetical letters that we will speak on. The Q, the R, and the A. Now, let's go to the... We, we spoke about the popularity. He was the, 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 the favorite of, of Jacob because uh, Joseph was the son of the woman he really loved. She was Rachel. Remember, he was hoodwinked. Jacob was hoodwinked. Instead of getting Rachel as a first wife, he got Leah. So this was the child of the woman he loved. And also, it was the child in his old age. Amen. So here was this, this popularity. He was well liked by, the, by his brethren. But after those dreams and the coat of many colors, everything changed. So from, uh, from popularity uh, came the promotion, the coat of many colors. But thereafter came the persecution. There came the persecution. Now, 
You know the story quite well. How that he was sent by his father to go and give his brethren food, bread. And when they see Joseph afar off, they say, here comes a dreamer. Let's kill him. Let's do away with him. But thank God for Reuben. Reuben speaks to them in such a way that no, they should rather put him in the pit and then decide what to do with him. So now he goes from popularity, uh, promotion, now persecution. And then they throw him in a pit. They throw him in a deep, deep pit. You know, Rick Godwin said this. I heard it several years ago. P.I.T. They'd done Joseph a favor. He was a prophet in training. Boy, oh boy, was I impressed with that. But you know what? When you wait upon God, you know, and you seek the face of God, uh, uh, God, God told me once, you know, he doesn't want me to preach half-truth. Not that, that Rick Godwin had preached half-truth. No, no, no. But I waited upon the Lord, and God reminded me of what Rick Godwin said, prophet in training. But he said, no, you've also got to be a priest in training. And he said, a prophet's not good enough. A priest is not good enough. You've got to be a king as well. You've got to have a three-folded code of ministry, prophet, priest, and king. Now, let me just say this. To be a prophet is, is, is that man or woman of God that echoes the mind of God. And let me give you an acronym. I was walking with my dear wife in OK Bazaars, preaching the, preaching the, what do you call it? The trundler, the, as they call it in, uh, in New Zealand. And God spoke to me. I, the trolley, the trolley. And I tell you, I heard the word P-R-O-P-H-T. And as I walked there with my wife, it came proclaiming a revelation over propaganda, heralding eternal truth. That is a prophet. He sheds light on that which needs light. He illuminates the word of God and he speaks forth the mind of God. But God spoke to me. He said, being a prophet is not good enough. Although you will speak the mind of God and you'll speak on behalf of me I need someone that will not only speak for me but I need someone to speak on behalf of the people to me I need a representative of the people as much as you need a prophet that represents me so God spoke to me and said the, the prophet has the mind of God but the priest has the heart of God Amen. The prophet sits in the presence of God and he walks out, uh, 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 probably lays on his face rather, and he walks out of the presence of God and says, this is the way, walk in it. He's a man that gives direction to the church. But a priest is different. A priest represents the people and uh, uh, the priest knows the shortcomings and the failure of the people and he speaks to God on behalf of the people. You see, the prophet has the mind of God, but the priest has the heart of God. Hallelujah. He speaks to God. He pleads on their behalf. He intercedes on their behalf that God in his holiness will not wipe the people off the face of the earth. And when he stands before God, if you study the Old Testament, he has on his, on his breastplate the 12 tribes of Israel inscribed. And when he walked into the presence of God, God saw a man that loved the people, that represented the people, that was more than willing to offer up his life as unto God for the sake and benefit of the people. Other than that, no, it never stopped there.
He also had on his ephod, on the six, on the left side of the shoulder pad, the six names of Israel uh, 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 inscribed there. And on the other side, on the other side, he also had the other six inscribed. So he had the 12 tribes of Israel inscribed upon his heart, uh, on his shoulder pad and on his chest. And what did it do? It's saying something. You know, we as the people of God are prophets and priests. And what's going to happen is this, the burdens of the people, we're going to carry them upon our shoulder. And you know that our strength is made known in, in the moment of weakness. The strength of the Christian, the, the, the time that the Christian is the most strongest is when he's on his knees. And the burdens of the people will weigh us down. Yes, we will speak the mind of God. Yes, we will represent the people of God, but we will pray for them as well. So let me say what the priest is. P-R-I-E-S-T-S -E Praying righteous intercessory, intercessory effectual supplications towards salvation. Amen. The priest represents the people. Amen. But it doesn't stop there. Yes, Joseph was thrown in the in the put a prophet and a priest to be. Okay, but before I go there, let me speak about Moses very briefly. Here was a man that was a prophet of God, that spoke the mind of God, that gave the Ten Commandments. But you know what? As much as he was a prophet, he was also a priest. He loved the people. And on two occasions, the people wanted to kill him. And God said to Moses, Stand aside. I had a belly full of these people. I'm going to obliterate them, annihilate them, wipe them off the face of the earth, and I'll begin a new nation with you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, if that was Joe Boy, praise God. No more the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Joe Boy. But I tell you, Moses wasn't Joe Boy. Moses was a man of God. He said, God, don't do that. What about your good name? What are the Egyptians going to say about you? You see, he was a man that protected the very people that wanted to kill him. He wasn't only a prophet, he was a priest. He interceded twice, twice, twice. And God changed his mind. And, and Moses actually saved the people. He was one man, one man in the Bible that caused God to repent. You know, when we speak of repentant, repentance, we only think of negativity. But one man, one man caused God to repent of impending judgment. And if you are a priest, brother, if you are a priest, I tell you, you can turn the hand of judgment, the hand of wrath that God has got against many people to a hand of blessing. Ah, and shout amen. Amen. Praise God. So we see that he, uh, 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 this was a prophet and a priest in training. But wait, if we go to, to the word of God, if we go to the word of God, we find that uh, Peter says we are a royal priesthood. Amen. I think it's in 129 or somewhere around there. And um, the Bible says in uh, Revelation 1.6 that we are a kingdom of priests and kings. Amen. So what I'm saying that my brother and my sister, yes, Moses was a prophet and had a priestly heart, but Moses was never a king, never a king. But hear what the Bible says in Acts 2, your sons and daughters shall prophesy the ministry role of a prophet, a prophetical mantle. But then Peter says, the apostle says, we are, we are priests, royal priesthood. And then John, the apostles in Revelation 1, 6 says, we are, are priests and kings. 
Amen. So we have a threefold code of ministry likened unto the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a priest and Jesus was a king. Hallelujah. So even when people throw us into the pit of despair, even when people throw us into the pit of oblivion, annihilation, let me say it will not stop the work of God. He that begun a good work in us, he that gave us a dream and a vision he will bring it to pass hallelujah i'm going to stop there and i will conclude the sermon next week let's pray father in the mighty name of jesus i sense your awesome wonderful yet loving presence oh god father we cannot comprehend how that jesus oh god was taught obedience through suffering we don't understand this but one thing we do know that joseph was also taught obedience through suffering god you gave him the dream it wasn't realized immediately 13 years he had to wait oh god and in the 13 years he knew so much suffering oh god but thank you god thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you lord that even persecution and suffering will make a way for us because god you have your hand of ordination that was upon joseph that same hand is upon the church me and my brothers and my sisters in jesus name oh i bless you and I praise you, God, in Jesus' name. And God bless this people that hear this message, O oh God, for your praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.